Are you Tony Stank? Welcome back to Delivery for Tony Stank, an MCU podcast where we discuss everything the MCU has to offer. So the last episode felt like an absolute lifetime ago where we spoke about She-Hulk episodes 1 to 3, um, but unfortunately life kind of got in the way and then the year was extremely busy. So I do apologise, but we're going to catch up. Uh, we're going to have a quick chat about the MCU projects that we missed along the way. And, um, and yeah, we'll kind of get going and, and discuss things there. Okie doke, so we're going to go back to She-Hulk. So as I said, last time um, we spoke about episodes one to three of She-Hulk and we'll kind of like run through the the sort of the rest of it um, going forward. So um, if you remember back when, whenever it was towards the end of the year um, for episodes one to three of She-Hulk, I really wasn't taken by it 100%. Um, and unfortunately, that was kind of the running theme of the, the show as a whole. Um, I mean, there were points where, like, I really, really thought it would kick on. There were some really interesting things, and then it just lurched like a complete halt again, which uh, was a shame. It really was a shame. Um, the storyline of, of She-Hulk's name being trademarked was quite interesting, um, and uh, and that sort of like legal side of things. Um, and then, and then in the courtroom, Jennifer using the, her past dates to basically make a fool of herself, um, but to but to essentially win that case was uh, was both heartbreaking but also clever as well. And that's kind of more of what I wanted to see from uh, She-Hulk. So the uh, the kind of um, self-deprecating humour, which is fantastic, and then the sort of legal side of things. But we've kind of spoke about this before, and it's, and it's, um, it, it's something that the writers spoke about when, when, they, when they were writing She-Hulk, and it's that they didn't really know how to write the courtroom stuff, which just seems ridiculous to me um specifically for a a, a tv show or a project that is around a, a lawyer um like surely you've got to have some some form of uh you know being able to write the sort of the the, the courtroom side of things um and it showed it really showed in in the in the show which was a, a real a real real shame um the introduction of Daredevil, that was really cool though. Uh, again, we kind of saw a bit more of, of the Netflix shows uh, kind of bleed into this as well. Um, and uh, and yeah, I'm really glad that we'll get to see more of him in the future. There's going to be the uh, Daredevil Born Again with, uh, with of course, Vincent D'Onofrio returning as well as Charlie Cox, etc. And I believe that um, Foggy and Karen will be coming back as well. Uh, so that'd be cool to see them again. That'd be really cool. If you've not seen the Netflix uh, Daredevil show, it's probably the better one i would say um it's definitely definitely worth worth a go um the thing with daredevil and i thought again it was really interesting uh, creative choice but also kind of strange was getting jen and daredevil to <laughs> copulate so early uh, it was a bit of a shock it was a bit of a shock um but again i feel like it can 
uh, it can certainly sort of like uh, be an interesting plot point going forward. We'll see how it kind of goes, um, especially going into Devil Born again, whether we'll see um, some She-Hulk, maybe, I don't know. Um, but the shot of Daredevil do the walk of shame was brilliant. I thought that was that was fantastic. Um, and again, it was like the whole sort of uh, it was a whole sort of really funny, interesting, uh, humorous moments, uh, and then something else happened. It kind of it kind of like was quickly kind of moved on. Um, Todd the, the and what a terrible name Todd is. I must I must admit, uh, Todd being the Hulk King was a pretty weak reveal and and to me felt kind of telegraphed as well um and uh yeah it just felt a bit formulaic but going into the final episode this is kind of part of the the redemption that i felt from the show and uh and the sort of meta side of it so the final episode everything changed everything changed and i'm not just talking about the, obviously the the show i'm not just talking about she hulk i'm talking about the mcu um it's <laughs> like the and i completely completely understand people saying that they did not enjoy the final episode or the, the twist that we're going to get to talk about in a wee second and uh, i completely completely understand why people would say that they didn't enjoy that or didn't get it uh but i thought it was it was perfectly 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 done um it's it's something that completely completely out there never done before um and again it is something that the um the comics of she-hulk have have done on uh a different sort of scale so if you're not sure what happened basically she-hulk uh literally breaks through the fourth wall um of the of the of the tv and and actually climbs out of the disney plus menu um which again when, when i first watched that i really wasn't sure what was happening uh but it was such a, a strange like totally unique way to kind of do things uh she makes her way to the, to the actual she hulk production office or again it's not the actual one but in the show it is uh if that makes sense uh, and 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 takes the matter of the messy finale into her own hands Again, as I say, it's it's a massive change of of uh, of how the shows can be and how the MCU can be, um, and and again, it was a nod to to the comics where where um, she routinely breaks the fourth wall. Um, the writers they do reference that it's uh, when Jen uh, voices her dissatisfaction towards the story. The writers do reference that it's a story that Kevin wants. Obviously, again, a nod towards. Kevin Feige and and you know what I was certain that we're going to potentially get a cameo from Kevin Feige what we got was obviously a lot different um and and She-Hulk makes her way to to Kevin to see Kevin who <laughs> is revealed to be like an AI machine who makes decisions towards uh or decisions behind the MCU um and uh and there's a point as well where he even asks or they even asks her to change back into uh to Jen because the VFX for She-Hulk are too expensive and, and asks her to even do off screen as well, which again is such like an interesting, like it's almost like a nod to us uh, sort of fans and that as well, that, uh, that again, I've, I've spoke about things like the, the messy CGI, which is something that I've really, um, you know, lambasted She-Hulk for. Um, and then Jennifer even gets down to the nitty gritty meta with Kevin and talks about the negatives behind the MCU projects and how they can make She-Hulk's ending different from the usual stuff. 
uh, and Jennifer sorts the end of the show and makes it a bit more um, a bit more down to earth. Again, this is something that that I felt needed a change, and the fact that they actually changed it changed the end of the show in the show. Uh, I thought was a genius move. Uh, a really, really interesting uh, sort of uh, flip on 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 what was happening. Um, Jen even makes sort of what well, she's there with with Kevin makes kind of references to to the MCU as well. So obviously she's self aware of of that, um, and even speaks about the induction of the X Men, um, and and makes a wee joke about <laughs> smashing Matt, Matt Murdock as well. So, uh, yeah, so so interestingly done. I thought it was it was a very interesting, a very different, a very unique, um, way to to reference, you know. The, the meta side of things um which was yeah really good um so then after all that sorted uh in the actual ending we get to see jen and uh and, and matt having a, a barbecue so she hulk and, and daredevil having a barbecue with their family and and getting to know each other um again the chemistry between is brilliant I, I think the chemistry between um uh between jennifer and uh matt murdoch is 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 brilliant and i really i really do hope we see more Jen Walters than She-Hulk, I hope, in Daredevil Born Again. I think that would be, again, more of an interesting sort of taking things. But again, I don't know if we will because, obviously, uh, Daredevil's going to go back to New York, we assume. Um, now, Bruce then turns up. So the Hulk turns up, um, talking about his back from Sakaar, and he has his son, Scar, with him as well. And again, talking about the VFX, I thought the VFX for Scar were terrible, were absolutely dog duty. Um, yeah, I thought it was really, really, really poor, really poorly done. And the reveal as well was quite poorly done as well, I thought. Um, it was just sort of like, oh, here he is, um, which didn't work for me. It really didn't. So it's a shame, again, because something so interesting happens with the, the uh, sort of meta behind the scenes um mcu side of things and then it lurches to halt when uh when hulk turns up with his son ah shame 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 so yeah and that's how it kind of ends so a really rocky start for me um in terms of the uh this mcu phase who are vfx throughout again there's there's been a lot of talk about the the, the visual effects and how disney are <laughs> Is the are are not being too good to the or or Marvel aren't being too good to the um the special effects artists. Something needs to be sorted. It really does. Um, I think going from the sort of earlier Marvel films where you would expect the CGI not to be too great, the CGI a lot of this and the VFX and a lot of this is looking worse than than the earlier Marvel stuff. So it's it's a real shame. They really really need to get it sorted. And I'm sure as well, you know, they've been they're aware of some of the stuff the fans are saying as they've showed in in the um the meta scenes in even this show um and you know references the fact that vfx is so expensive so they they know they must know these things and i really hope it's something that they that they can sort out going forward but again we'll see so yeah poor vfx um the story felt really really lacking to me uh as i spoke about the courtroom side of things um, but we got the MCU turn of Daredevil, and of course the the really interesting ending, or the the almost ending, um, the meta side of things, I thought saved it 
from being like a genuine like four or five out of ten like i i, I honestly could see it being that um that low in my in my rankings um but uh but yeah although it saves it from being a four or five out of ten it's not really it's still not a classic um in, in my eyes so she hulk the rating for she hulk is going to be from a delivery for tony stank going to be six out of ten again let me know what you thought well, we are now on to the next MCU project that we haven't spoken about so far, and it is Thor: Love and Thunder, the um the second uh Taika Waititi Thor film after um after Ragnarok. So when I first uh, saw Thor: Love and Thunder in cinemas, I I thought it was great. I really did. I thought it was um. Again, a Taika Waititi film, which is full of humor, um, and 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 full of fun. Well, okay, a lot of his films are full of fun. To be fair, I was thinking there, Jojo Rabbit's maybe not, but it is. It's very much a laugh out loud sort of film. Um, so again, when I saw it in the cinema, I laughed heaps. I had so much fun, and I remember even on Letterboxd, I I. So if you don't know, I I have a Letterboxd. Feel free to to follow. Um, I always do a review for my films as well. I don't do it for TV shows, just for films. Um, and I gave it a four out of five. Uh, sorry, a four point five stars uh, on Letterboxd. That's out of five. Before going on this pod, though, um, I wasn't sure if I enjoyed it so much. Um, I didn't know if it was because of the the setting being a, being the cinema, um, the hype that came with it. I obviously reacted to the the trailer when it came out as well. I wasn't sure if that kind of bled into my um my enjoyment of the film and if i uh if i really did like it like like that if i did rate it that highly watching it again though glad to say i still loved it i thought it was a really funny uh a really again a, a beautiful actually sort of uh sort of film um there are i mean there are positives there are negatives of course as there are with any film it's not a perfect film but it's fun. It's fun with a banging soundtrack, some beautiful cinematography, and the VFX were pretty good. Uh, so that for me is uh, is a win in my book. We'll kind of go into it though. So first of all, the negatives. Um, the Guardians are really, really underutilized, which is such a shame. Um, I thought you know after Endgame that it was going to be the start of loads of adventures with uh, Thor and the Guardians. You know we. we there was lots of talk of um, the Asgardians of the galaxy and, uh, and uh, uh, there's loads of uh, interesting ways that they could have taken that. Unfortunately, it lasted all five minutes um, having the Guardians there. Although, it is quite a fun setup for Thor uh, in terms of the, the use of the Guardians here. But again, it could have been a lot more of a, a, a sort of team-up. Although, there is a team-up and... It's kind of more implied as to what has happened between Endgame and and at this point in Thor: Love and Thunder as as to how they worked as a team. Um, it was I definitely like to seen actually seen more of it as opposed to being um kind of told a bit more about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of jokes. There there are a lot of jokes and lightheartedness. Which again is kind of a change for the Thor that we knew, you know, um, from the first Thor, from uh, Dark World as well. The change up happened with obviously Ragnarok and uh, and, and in even in Infinity War and Endgame, he was kind of 
the resulted dark bits um but he was kind of seen as a bit of a, a joker and stuff um, and then of course in this one as well so as i said this is kind of a taika waititi um trademark is having the is having the, the sort of like fun jokes and and little one-liners and things as well sometimes it did take a little bit away from the somber moments which uh was a shame was a shame um but overall i thought it was a really uh again a really fun film like the mcu doesn't always have to be dark and dingy you know that's what what sort of dc side of things did was kind of try and get things a bit more darker um the mcu is about comic book characters it can be fun if done well of course um if not then i'm gonna shout it Kevin Feige. Um, but to be honest, although there's a lot of jokes, a lot of fun things in it as well, it's not really the laugh a second sort of paint by numbers that some people think it is or online have said it is. There's kind of loads of more interesting, um, loads of interesting more serious bits, like things with uh, Thor's relationship with Jane and the running theme of the running theme of letting things go. Uh, or learning to let things go, um, and how their relationship changed, um, as well. I thought that was that was a very um, a very serious sort of uh, topic. I mean, again, the whole th- the whole Jane's whole story is that she has cancer. <laughs> like, it's like, um, yeah, it's not all it's not all fun and games. Um, and seeing Jane deteriorate over time as well and having to decide whether she can um, essentially, you know, give up the hope that she could potentially be cured to spend time as the mighty Thor um, helping out Thor that we know, Thor Odinson, um, was again a really kind of like different way to look at things. Um, so... Yeah, it, it, there, there was some really dark moments. Uh, there's there's loads of nods to like eighties B movies, which I thought was again really cool and and something that I expected a lot, a lot more of. Uh, the soundtrack, which is basically just uh, Guns and Roses, um, absolutely compounds this. I'm not complaining. I think it's a fantastic soundtrack and Guns and Roses. Classic Guns and Roses songs are, uh, you know up there with some of the best rock songs of all time so it was i I thought it was brilliant um now the score uh was actually done by michael giacchino who we'll talk about um soon in the next one but he is a a a frequent collaborator a frequent um creator of scores for uh well a lot of projects but um certainly a lot of marvel things and the score is actually overlooked because it's obviously it's obviously kind of um the Guns N' Roses and, and the sort of like rock songs are kind of front and centre, but the score really underpins, um, again, certainly a lot of the more dark moments. Um, but even like things when they're coming into the uh, omnipotent city as well, the score underneath there, uh, the rousing kind of um, choir and things as well is brilliant. I, I, I really, if, if you watch it again, try and listen, try and use the score as like a... Um, Trying to listen to that as well as as obviously watch the watch the film as well. Um, Christian Bale as Gore is exceptional. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, and although he has quite camp moments as well, 
he really is a force, uh, a force to be reckoned with. You know, there's a there's a lot of moments where um he does kind of chew the scenery a little bit or um lets out a couple of creepy little laughs and stuff. But it, I, I, but it just adds to the character. I think he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. There's only one downside with Christian Bale's gore, uh, and that's that I would have loved to seen more of him. Um, whether that's in this movie or whether it's in future ones. We didn't I don't think we needed to see his whole story in this what, ninety minute film or two hours, I can't remember. I think it's like ninety minutes actually. Um we didn't need to see his whole story there. Uh I think we could have we could have had him as a as a Thor villain over a couple of different stories. But again, I suppose it's probably something that the filmmakers um maybe think, you know, is this gonna be our last Thor one? I, I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning behind that was, but I would have definitely liked to see a lot, a lot more of Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. He's a really uh, a really terrifying villain, an excellent villain, but also with a genuinely empathetic reason for why he wants to do what he's trying to do. And again, if you're if you've not seen it yet, you know, um, or if you have seen it, I suppose as well, his whole reasoning is behind the fact that um his species, his his race uh essentially was sacrificed everything for the gods and the gods never gave back and he lost his his daughter um and uh and stumbles a, a, upon this god and sees him for what he really is and that's just basically a selfish um selfish being um which which again is such a it could be such a a human sort of um reason as well uh i thought it was a very interesting take on things again i i i i know that this is sort of from the comics but i thought it was really really well done and and you understood why he was doing what he was doing maybe he didn't have to go as as hardcore as he did but uh but you understand why he is doing what he's doing the cinematography so the use of the black and white during the battle in the shadow realm is really really interesting um especially when you see like glints of color during the fight as as sort of like uh the, the lightning from the from um zeus's thunderbolt and uh and mjolnir as well so there's like yellow and blue lights kind of radiating as well on the on the sort of background of the black and white um in the shadow realm, I thought it was such an interesting way to do things, and and a very good fight scene as well. Very creepy uh, sort of thing as well when when they're when they're in the black the in the in the shadow realm. Uh, I thought that was that was really really well done, and again, it's actually for my money one of the one of the more interesting um, and unique MCU fight scenes probably of all time, to be perfectly honest. Which uh, which can only be a good thing. Um, so yes, so Thor, Love and Thunder, the final thoughts, again, a very, very good MCU film and a very fun film overall. I had an absolute blast. Um, I get what people are saying about the jokes and things. It's not as bad as that. Uh, if you go in, if you expect it just be, if you just want to have fun, if you want to, you know, it's great. I, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So on the back of that, the delivery for Tony Stank rating is going to be for Thor, Love and Thunder, and eight out of ten yeah Alrighty then so we're now on to the next mcu project that we need to speak about and that is werewolf by night 
Uh, so we go from Mr. Giacchino doing the business with a score of Thor Love and Thunder to now his directorial debut in Werewolf by Night. Now, this is technically a television special, is, is what they call it. And it does only run for like around an hour or so. Uh, but that does not mean that it lacks in quality. So right from the beginning titles, we're thrust into like a black and white um, world reminiscent of your classic horror movies of old. Uh, the sound design is perfect, which makes complete sense uh, coming from Mr. Mikey G, the score master, and the black and white really gives everything a creepy, creepy edge. Um, as the plot progresses, we find out there's to be a competition uh, to see who can defeat the monster, which in doing so grants them the Bloodstone, which is an ancient gem that grants the wielder powers. When we see the Bloodstone, it's the only thing that is like, has any colour and that's the red um, it's 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 baked in red um, and it's the only thing that we've seen so far that has colour and I really 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 thought that was again a really interesting uh, way to do this because it just shows how important the Bloodstone is to uh, to this show to this movie to this television special to these people in this um, in this world so we follow Russell uh who is a monster hunter they're all a monster hunter uh they're all monster hunters sorry the the people that have been um brought in for this competition um and the build up to him sort of entering the maze and stumbling across the monster is so intense it, I, again i really think the black and white of this it helps things because we we can't see color we can't we can only see shadows and 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 things uh in the background potentially floating by and 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 stuff we don't see we can't discern the difference between um for instance part of the set and and another character in the background uh it, it could be anything it can be anything and uh i thought that was really interesting that the lighting for it um uh really kind of uh, helped that so much um but then when finally Russell comes face to face with the monster, we actually find out they're friends. Uh the monster's name is Ted. And um and it's a real subversion of of what we expected. He's not he's obviously here for for more than just trying to fell the monster. He's here to uh to save his friend Ted. And uh I thought it was a really good reel. I thought it was again a, an intense build up and then and then just a, a little switch to um to seeing the, the monster in a different light, of course, in black and white. Um, and, and they make a, a plan to kind of uh, get out of the maze and save each other. Now, with the other monster hunters, we get a couple of fight scenes that are, are quite wild for like a, an MCU sort of, uh, an MCU joint, um, where where there's like things like, um, you know, people getting stabbed and, and arrows getting shot at them. Uh, and death, an actual death that we basically get to see. But again, I think they get away with this because of the black and white. They can, they're not showing blood, um, and it's not, it's not as clear as as what's happening. And again, it's kind of more of like a mature sort of uh, feeling with this, which uh, which I thought again was was really cool for for the MCU. We don't normally see people getting killed and maimed it's, it's normally faceless goons or uh robots or, or things getting blasted by uh by something and, and it doesn't look like they're 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 being actually killed um now 
again, the lighting uh, in black and white films, you have to be you have to be able to show show things in a different way than than obviously um than color films because you don't have the the full color palette. You've got black and white and everything in between, so lighter grays, darker grays. That's essentially it. So the lighting, I thought, was so, so impressively well done for this. And again, it's a testament to, um, you know, Giacchino. He had a, you can tell that he had a clear vision as to what Werewolf by Night was going to be. Um, and uh, and I think working with his, obviously, director of photography and things as well. Um, brilliant. Really, really insanely well done. For someone who is... Um, you know, this is this is their first directorial um, project. I thought it was, a, it was again really, really confident sort of um, start to things, and it took a lot of courage to to do that. Um, in in my eyes, anyway. Um. So, yeah. Again, with black and white films, with the lighting and things as well, it it can be so easy to look fake, and I think he did this. Uh, exceptionally well that it that it did not it it really um it looked fantastic in black and white and that's that's where it can get interesting or it can get diff difficult if you're doing a black and white film because you have to make sure that all those ingredients are there and 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 he did he absolutely did um so yeah things kick off uh russell's actually captured and uh and is shown to be the the titular werewolf by night um when we see him transform uh to the the werewolf it's actually a really indeed in transformation it's very very practical um and again kind of references like the the, the werewolf movies of old so things like your uh, american Wolf in london and that sort of stuff um it was it felt it wasn't just again it wasn't just again vfx or cgi there, there obviously is parts in that because of some stuff they did but a lot of it felt and looked practical if there is cgi in there um and if there's more than than i felt there was then then again that's just even more compounds the fact that it was such a well done um a well done show because uh it looked so much more practical than 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 it could have been so yeah again massive um it's it, it, just everything everything the whole thing seemed to complement each other from the from the score and uh the black and white and and the 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 transformation the werewolf and everything we see i thought it was brilliantly brilliantly done um there's a really really cool shot in the hallway um as the the guards sort of like come in the doors close slowly and the bad guys make their way into uh try and subdue russell or or the werewolf and uh, and russell fights them off but what we get we don't have your typical like fast cuts like um watching the werewolf do this and this and this and this and this and this, and this. we essentially focus on the door that's slowly closing and it zooms really really slowly on it as well uh, as we see the guards kind of come past and then it uses all the shadows and stuff to again imply what is happening what the werewolf's doing to these guards uh, and we see their bodies kind of be being thrown about towards the door again and and we kind of see him come into frame every so often jump on a guard and and then run off and things as well uh, again it was so interesting and, and and actually quite brutal and i really really 
as I spoke about there, a courageous sort of choice for um, a, a director on his debut uh, his debut project I thought was really incredibly interesting and well done and once more one of the more um, fascinating shots that I've seen in a, in a Marvel project in a long long time brilliant absolutely brilliant um, now when the daughter of the, uh, the, the the gentleman that owned the Bloodstone Elsa she gets her hands on the Bloodstone uh, and, and things have kind of calmed down the colour literally kind of bleeds from from the bloodstone so um it's obviously a black and white white thing but then when she gets the bloodstone the color emanates from the bloodstone and 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 bleeds into her uh and all the scenery and we see everything start to come back up uh in in color which again is an interesting quirk that was so well used i really uh it felt like um the wizard of oz uh where was it Wizard of Oz? I think it was where like the red shoes, um, things in Kansas were like sepia colored, and then in in when she gets red shoes in in whatever it was Oz, of course, um, it's kind of in in a color and stuff as well. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit, which uh, which is not a bad thing. Um, and then finally we see Russell and Ted. Um, so Ted is is man thing. We see them uh, catching up over a, a a nice warm cup of coffee, cup of Joe, uh, in in the woods, uh, in the sort of like shelter that they've made, and they and they're just catching up and and just um, as, as friends would do. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see where where or if things go in the future with these guys again. I also kind of, I kind of like um, the fact that it was so self-contained. Uh, I, I almost don't want it to, to bleed through into other things. We could potentially see sequels of it, or or, or more adventures of Russell and, and Ted. Um, but I thought it was it was quite cool to be like a sort of self-contained uh, sort of thing within within the MCU. Um, so yeah, so so final thoughts again. A wonderfully made, completely different MCU film or or, or project, which again was an absolute joy to watch. If if you love your uh, horror movies of old, or or if you even find them interesting, um, you'll you'll love this. I think it's it's one of the one of the stronger things that Marvel put out uh, put out recently. And again, it lasts an hour. It lasts an hour, which is is you know the the same sort of amount of time that these days one episode of like a drama um TV series call uh takes. So um on that note, uh Werewolf by Night gets a delivery for Tony Stank, nine out of ten, almost a ten out of ten. It's almost a ten out of ten, but I'm giving it a nine out of ten. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Definitely go and watch it if you have not seen it. It's something that I think most people most people would thoroughly thoroughly enjoy all right and now we are on to the big one black panther wakanda forever one of the uh probably most anticipated mcu films that i've uh i've heard in a long time uh obviously there's a lot of things going on with the with the death of of chadwick boseman who was the original black panther um and uh yeah i was really really interested to to see how they would deal with things, you know, would they dwell on it? Would the mantle be passed on naturally? Um, well, I mean, the trailers did kind of answer those questions, but like, I must admit, I wasn't prepared for how well that they would handle things. Really, um, they did a fantastic job with it. The opening scene is is devastating. Shuri trying her best to save her brother, um, you know, using science and technology, 
begging to higher power of, of Bast. Um, the way the whole thing plays out as well, where there's like no score, um, was such an interesting move as well. And um, you know, that's we're kind of we're we're kind of like on the edge of our seat from from the beginning, which I thought was a, a really good um way to start things. Even sort of like the the Marvel um theme title the, the theme titles were were all Chadwick Boseman again with no score or soundtrack. Um a really lovely sort of send off to um the the original Black Panther. Um we get the funeral for T'Challa as well and uh you know, it's very moving. We we see sort of uh, Ramona and Shuri with with this grief, but then the whole uh the whole place of Wakanda is 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 almost in celebration, celebration of his life, um, which is uh, which I know is something in, in many cultures that they do this they, they celebrate the life as opposed to mourn the death, uh, which um is such a positive outlook on things and uh, and, and is is really interesting. And um and again, just as emotional as 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 showing grief and sharing um sadness. Um now although T'Challa and, and Chadwick Boseman and, and and the um the thought of the old Black Panther is always kind of intertwined with the film, it, it really does move on to become uh, the Shuri show. And and Letitia Wright is brilliant in this role. Uh she kind of um she kind of moves on from being a sarcastic sort of snarky teen to someone who has some real depth um as a as a, as a grief-stricken um uh sister to to obviously black panther t'challa and um again the opening scene aside like her her struggles with coming terms loss her brother uh, and the acceptance of responsibility as the new black panther of wakanda uh, She's fantastic. I really thought she was very, very good in this film, um, and uh, and is, and is someone that uh, she's a fantastic actress. She really is. She really is. Um, the fact that they kind of moved her from that sort of snarky teen to to another sort of like a fully fledged character, um, I mean, it wouldn't have it really wouldn't have worked if she was just a carbon copy of herself from from the other film. She does have her moments still. There, there absolutely is. Uh, still moments especially when she meets um Ironheart Reedy Williams, uh things like that. There there's definitely uh the, the sort of like bravado, this kind of confident swagger of a princess that you would expect. Um and uh and and that's fine, that's absolutely fine, but she has so much more to her than than just what I think she kind of maybe was because she didn't really have that sort of uh, she wasn't the main character, you know, in other films. Um, so she didn't really have that side of things. So uh it was really good to see her branch out a little bit and 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 um sort of move on and, and develop and mature as a character as well. Um as well, you know, the final scene with her, um Nakia and of course T'Challa's son as well in particular. It's a great piece of acting, uh, where she kind of accepts what's to come uh for the for the future uh, again this is this is like the post credits and stuff as well um and her her when we we see the kind of at the start of the film where she she is in complete denial that um that her her brother is now dead to then accept it at the end of the burning with the burning of the of the um ceremonial uh funeral robes as well 
um is is brilliant and you know something as well that uh that i think added to it and again you know this 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 film had a couple of oscar nominations um and one of them was for the song from rihanna and i thought the song was was phenomenal it was a brilliant brilliant song and kind of perfectly encapsulates shuri and shuri's mindset and um and i suppose wakanda's whole as well um which I, yeah i thought it was, it was fantastically done if you've not heard the song it's brilliant it's a really really lovely song um another excellent acting performance is angela bassett as queen ronda and uh and, and you know with even with this performance she actually got an oscar nomination which is so rare for uh, uh an mcu or even a comic book uh character or actress or actor um where uh yeah she got nominated for for this now again here's some here's a little a little plug for for everyone who's listening but if you want to hear more about the oscars um then check out the podcast that i did with collective unit and got read and you previously as well it is um if you're listening on audio it is as part of the delivery tony stank um audio list if you are wanting to watch it you can watch it on uh on youtube it's not in delivery tones that one it's on my personal one which is massey 1983 so 1983 you can go and have a look um it was like a i can't remember when like six hours or something it was something stupid like that. four hours maybe but we'll be doing it again we'll be doing it pretty much every year and uh there may even be more of us to come as well you'll have to keep an eye out for that back on track stop self-plugging stop plugging come on come on back in right um <laughs> Her scene, uh, Angela Bassett's scene in the UN is a is a standout, is an absolute standout. I thought it was a it was a powerhouse um uh performance there, you know, when when she tells the whole place that uh that they're forgiving this act but anymore and and they're gonna come down hard. I th- I thought that was really I thought it was a really, really well done, uh a really well done sort of um monologue i suppose it was or uh or, or seen there um massive shout out to and i'm so sorry if i mispronounce this tenok huerta as namor he did a great job as, as the villain sort of slash anti-hero of the film which is so hard to do especially as like a newcomer as well um again you understood his stance his motives uh although things maybe did get a wee bit out of hand um but i really love the duality between wakanda and um the namor's people i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember what the, the, the place is called um because it was the same sort of thing that wakanda's been through it's been uh hidden from the outside world and and, and not wanting to be disturbed or uh you know uh, have anything sort of taken from them and blah blah, blah. uh so i really love the duality of that and, and seeing um when shuri does go and and sees namor's world uh that kind of that kind of and normal the normality that they that they have down there that's where it sunk into me you know the fact that this is just wakanda but underwater basically um so yeah i thought it was really well done we also got introduced to another character who is going to be a bigger part of things to come i've already kind of touched on her but it's reedy williams aka ironheart so she's essentially like a mini tony stark level genius who wears a suit and flies and blah 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 She's going to be in Armor Wars with uh, with our boy, um, buddy, buddy boy. What? Well, my mind's gone blank. My mind has gone blank. What, what am I talking about? Um, 
Warmonger. Warmonger. Why is my why is my mind gone absolutely blank? Bloody war machine. Um, Rhodey Rhodes. Um, so it's going to be she's going to be part of Armor Wars with him, and um, I really thought that her introduction was rushed. It was very rushed, and um, and to be honest, I think we would have been absolutely fine having her debut in Armor Wars. Um, but it's what it is. It's what it is. She was introduced here as uh, as part of the plot. Now, the VFX, the CGI for her suit at the climactic battle was absolute poo in my eyes. I thought it was very, very poorly done. And um, I just, there's, there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse. I spoke earlier about the VFX. Disney as a multi-billion pound corporation and Marvel as as, as one of the biggest parts of it needs to be doing better with the CGI, whether that's paying your VFX artists more, not rushing them, I have to be doing something different because that that was that was really bad for me, uh, and and almost took me out of it really to be honest. But but let's we're not going to digress. We're not going to we're not going to slag Marvel off on a, a a Marvel podcast. Although we should because we're not going discrim- to discriminate. We're going to talk about the good things and the bad things. But still, um, the good thing is this film. This film. It's a really really. Um, it's such a, a a strange film in that it dealt with the death of a main of the main actor really quite well, which <clears throat> can be something that can essentially kill off a franchise or or kill off uh, no pun intended or can like like end like a franchise or end like a character. Um, but they really did it well. They really did it. Um, very well, and and shout out to Ryan Coogler for doing that because he's uh, <clears throat> a fantastic filmmaker, and it sets up Black Panther for for future MCU flicks as well. Which, again, for 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 better or for worse, is something that has to happen with Marvel films or Marvel projects, and it does so in in this um, in this instance. Very good, very emotional film, um, which uh, I'm not I'm not too. Um, embarrassed to say that i cried a couple of times in in the cinema um luckily i was in a, a dark corner myself so i could just kind of go but it was really good it was really good so on that black panther wakanda forever gets a delivery for tony stank 8.5 out of 10 well okay we are on to the next one here and it's going to be the last one for this uh this episode i'm going to do like a separate episode for ant-man um so i know it says over on the side there Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special and then Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania but we'll talk about Quantumania in another episode uh, because it has obviously just sort of recently came out so I'm going to do a bit more of a comprehensive talk about that one. So we're on to Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special and of course this was to be coming out for um, Christmas time and it's another one of the Marvel Specials roster which living up to their name absolutely living up to their name and you know with the Guardians of the Galaxy and of course Volume 3 coming soon uh, and James Gunn at the helm that you're probably going to get a zany adventure. And this one it doesn't last as long Werewolf by Night. It's about 40 minutes or so. And it is just that. It's just a fun, zany Christmas adventure. Um, from the Christmas-style Christmas, Christmas style, uh, like cartoon intro of, of Peter Quill telling Yondu about Christmas. 
uh, moving into the the band uh the band's exit song about christmas mythology it's a proper catchy song that will get stuck in your head um and and maybe laugh uh, maybe laugh a lot of thing a lot of times as well um and one of the things that really struck me about this sequence was how everything or a lot of it seemed to be practical effects with uh which just added to you know the wacky characters that were there watching the band singing about christmas but something that they never even knew about the lyrics to it are, are brilliant um it was also hilarious uh when the guy's playing his guitar and his arms kind of just spinning in one place uh but at the elbow it's not even like at the shoulder it, it's just funny it's just so so funny i love it um but anyway, so the story uh, again, it's quite like a, it's quite a small kind of uh, story, which, and again, it's very self-contained, which is which is fantastic. I think it's it's something that the specials are going to be doing, which I'm all in for. I'm absolutely all in for it. Kind of just um, is almost like a palate cleanser from the, the the wider MCU. But yeah, the story revolves around uh, Mantis and Drax going to get Peter a very special present for Christmas in the form of the one and only Mr. Footloose himself, Kevin Bacon. So their their exploits and adventure to like not necessarily kidnap him, but kidnap him, it's almost slapstick. Uh, as they run around Hollywood, get drunk in the bar, and uh, and finally get to Mr. Bacon's house um with an added few things like a police chase and stuff as well uh is brilliant but then they take him to nowhere to meet peter um and essentially although the story is centered around peter missing his biological family and not having people to spend christmas with or you know just missing christmas in general it's very much a drax and uh and mantis story and uh again i apologize if i've said if i um if i pronounce this incorrectly but pom clementif 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 uh is the absolute star of it she's brilliant she's uh, uh we see we've seen obviously her grow and grow more into her role from uh, guardians volume 2 uh to obviously infinity war she was in there um uh, quite a big part of it as well um to now seeing her in in absolute element which is which is brilliant which is fantastic and i'm, I'm really interested to see more of her um, now the reveal that Ego is obviously her father as well, which isn't really a shock because Ego was like spraying his seed everywhere, um, makes Peter and her half brother and half sister. So it's a little, it's a lovely little wee touch. And again, it's something that I think was maybe always not implied, but it was always kind of there. But maybe we just didn't, we never actually probably been told about it, um, in in so much as as actual an explanation um then uh then yeah it just gives another little bit of story which it doesn't necessarily like move things to the next film um but i suppose it might but it also gives us more of an understanding of the characters which again is just a, a lovely little touch which uh which i think um james gunn really knows how to how to use uh the guardians and how to again humanize this this ragtag group of uh aliens and hawking raccoons brilliant um there's also introduction of cosmo or we've seen cosmo before but we get a bit more of her um and i'm really interested to see more of cosmo the um the space dog going forward 
Uh, there's loads of ways that are powers of telekinesis and, and things can be used and I am all there for it. The more zany, the better, I think. And I really hope in Volume 3 we, we do see more of her, um, which just hope she doesn't get killed. Anyway, uh, all in all, it's it's a really, really fun special full of holiday cheer and the lovely warm feelings you want at Christmas time. So in the way that the last special, Werewolf by Night, was kind of darker and, and um, more... Uh, kind of paying homage to the sort of um the 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 monster and horror films of of days gone by this one is is what's called a holiday special it's it's a it's a, a sort of like love letter to the the sort of um your christmas time and your christmas films your christmas songs um and the, the mean the true meaning of christmas which is family not expensive presents, but they are very, very good if you can get expensive presents as well. Um, so I thought it was really, really interestingly well done. I thought it was fantastic. I um, it was again a bit short. There was a couple of things that were that were missed. I would love to see again more Cosmo. Uh, I would love to see more of Groot as well. It, it's as I say, it's kind of a, a Drax and Mantis story, which is absolutely fine. It's not. Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Three. It's not. Uh, it's not a fully fledged film or um or a fully fledged TV show. It is a special, so it's going to um, it's going to kind of have uh sort of um, what's the word? It's going to kind of kind of give. It's going to have to give more screen time to other other bits and pieces. They can't have a fully fledged sort of two hour Guardians film. Um, in a 40 minute special so that's fine absolutely fine but again I would like to see just a little bit more of them um, but yeah filled with fun filled with humour um, filled with a catchy Christmas song which uh, which should be an instant classic and um, yeah was was really well done and I think the fact that James Gunn is going to be going off and, and doing his DC stuff um, it's a shame because I think Guardians and his understanding and his um, writing for the Guardians uh, and his, you know, making the Guardians films uh, or Guardians projects um, is almost untouchable. It's going to be, I don't know what volume three holds, um, but it's really big shoes to fill if they, if they decide to keep the Guardians on without James Gunn at the helm. So, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll kind of see. We'll see what happens with that going forward. Now, now, volume three, if you're not aware, is out on Wednesday, the fourth of May. That's a couple of days from when I'm recording this. When, sorry, Wednesday, third of May, um, and I'm going to hopefully go and see it at the weekend because it's a bank or well, the, the coronation, coronation um, on Monday the eighth. So long weekend. Might see if I can go in and, and see it then. Um, but yeah, so Gardens Galaxy, Gardens Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special gets a delivery for Tony Stank. 8 out of 10. Okay, and that is us for a delivery for Tony Stank comeback special. Um, we The next one we'll be talking about Ant-Man uh, Quantumania. As you know, as I said, I was going to put it as part of this, but I thought, you know what, we'll actually do a special one for it or, or just keep it on its own um, and review how that went. And then Gardens of Galaxy Volume 3 will be out as well, so we will kind of uh, discuss that as well. Now, I do have a quick announcement regarding the podcast going forward, though, so thank you for sticking around here. Um, now, we have a Kofi. 
um and there's some lovely generous support of people that have been um subscribed to that and and have have uh been subject to some draws and things as well unfortunately i'm going to be shutting down the kofi um it's something that i've kind of been toying with for a wee while um there you know for everyone's donated i'm going to be sorting everything out so you i'm making sure you get your money's worth so don't worry about that but please if you do subscribe uh please cancel it um the reason for having a kofi was to kind of try and um uh to kind of give back to people who support me and i, I didn't i didn't make any money out of it off of it and i didn't want to make any money off it i wanted to do something a bit fun um and what was happening was with the kofi i was if things like like this where there's a massive break between um episodes i was feeling really bad um because there's people paying for it and i see the, the notifications coming i'm like oh i'm really sorry I'm really sorry like I can't do it. um and it i felt really bad so i'm going to cancel it just to take the, that pressure off just a little bit but thank you so much if you did subscribe um and and, and honestly the people who have like they're all you all know who you are you all know that i love you guys um and your generosity was in, was incredible um but uh, but please please do cancel um i'm going to close the kofi i'm going to start to refund it if, if, if you forget to cancel it's absolutely fine i will refund them and stuff as well so so don't worry um but if you could that'd be that'd be fine and uh and look out for i will kind of get in contact with you all and, and let you know um about it if you've got any questions please let me know um and uh and we'll get uh your your kind of Fun, last fun bits and pieces um sorted out for you guys but i really do appreciate you the the kofi thing i was going to try it for a, a year or so see how it went and uh unfortunately the the cons are far outweighing the pros um, and i just want to be able to talk about the mcu and make sure that i give you guys um plenty of of content really which uh, unfortunately i'm really sorry i haven't been able to recently but things will pick up again um if you do i mean if <laughs> i feel feel bad for saying this but if you do want to support me in any way i do have a twitch channel Um, feel free to subscribe on there you can get emotes and stuff like that as well if you do feel you, it's something you want to do absolutely fine um but uh but certainly please please cancel your subscriptions on the kofi um but thank you so much i really do appreciate everyone who has donated who has supported and, and again you know we're not stopping with the podcast at all we're going to keep going um it's just going to be uh, a little bit more uh instead of rushing to get episodes out i can then kind of take my time with things and uh, i won't i won't feel so bad that i'm like ripping you guys off or anything um so thank you so that's it for the episode um it feels great to be back i'm so glad to talk about the mcu again there's loads of stuff coming up as well i'm actually quite happy that they decided they're going to do a bit more quality over quantity i think they kind of threw a lot of things out as we kind of spoke about there which uh which was a bit um a bit lacking in terms of quality so i really hope that they do stick with that um but let me know your thoughts let me know your thoughts on the mcu projects uh over on twitter at delivery mcu and guys, I will see you all in the next one. Take care. Have fun. Love you all. Bye-bye. Are you Tony?